0: Well, until the pandemic started and we started working from home, I commuted my kids with me because they went to daycare in Mm -hmm. Omaha. And imagine doing that twice a day with (laughs) small little children, babies at times. Uh, Now they're both in school and I get to do it by myself for the first time ever.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And let me tell you, it's like my time. Like yeah. I can either turn up the radio or not have the radio and just like think, and it can be quiet and nobody asks me for anything. And it was glorious. So <laughs> how is your commute? I know I set the, the stage yeah, the bar
2: pretty high there. Yeah. I'm going to go <laughs> the opposite. Of that. Oh, no. So, so I commute and I, I take my children, um, my high school children to school because they're right around the corner. Um, and my Children are never on time. And so we were running late. Um, my youngest son rides the bus, but his bus either never shows up or we don't know where it is. Oh, you're kind of so my mom took him to the bus stop and I said, Look, I th- <laughs> think it's coming. It was late yesterday. Like oh my gosh. They're supposed to be at school by eight, supposed to be dropped off by 7.45 is. And his bus didn't even show up in our neighborhood until 7:38 yesterday. Oh my God. So I had given up on it and taken my son, which always makes me late. Um, so I had taken him to school yesterday, but today I was like, just push through. Hopefully it'll show up. And so they went up to the bus stop and then one son is sick. And then the, um, daughter was with me and she was late. And so, <laughs> I seem to get behind every person going 20 miles an hour. <laughs> Isn't that the way it is? <laughs> and so I was frustrated by the time, by the time I got to the, I like to call it the demolition derby of drop-off. <laughs> by the time I <laughs> the got drop The drop-off line. <laughs> in, in front of, if any, if anybody is a parent out there who lives in Omaha <laughs> and, and drops their child off at Central, <laughs> they will understand because it is literally two lanes of cars that are wanting to drop off and not wanting to let anybody in and wanting to oh. s- wanting to make sure somebody is always trapped. So either <sighs> I have to fight to get a spot or I find a glorious spot and then get trapped for like 10 minutes. Oh no. So this morning I went a little bit further down and she had to walk a little ways and she was late, but you know what? I have- you were late getting in the car, so it's not my fault.
0: It's not just your school though. I have read posts, like Facebook posts about people who have plans on how to avoid the pickup and drop-off line. Like, right. like my kid walks here and we pick up at this place. Like it's a thing. It's it really huge.
2: is. And, and even Father Fitzgerald who, um, lives in Hyder, which is right by Central. Oh, right. He mentions that he does, he deliberately does not leave his house, really? leave his apartment until he sees all the cars have cleared out.
0: Oh, really? Because it
2: is, in another place so I drop off in front of central which is on Dodge um, because that's actually quicker because the other way would be going down Davenport and going into the parking lot of central which that takes 20 minutes just to get through the line oh my god so it's even if you have them walk to the door right you're stuck in, you're that stuck that same in the same position oh <laughs> so god. I avoid that but yes it's it's horrific the struggle is real it's so
0: horrific. here is the takeaway away from this story, Tanya. To the people listening, you turn on this podcast and you listen to us talk about the drop-off line while you're in the drop-off line. So at
2: least you can laugh. And then, yeah, maybe
0: it helps the day go by better or something. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have people let us know. If that works for you, let us know. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we're doing an intro to um, our recording, our episode for today, which is with Dr. Gail Jensen, who was the dean for a long time, 15 years, 15 years of the graduate school and college of professional studies. And so we, um, wanted to catch her. I, she's not gone from Creighton. She's still here teaching, but of her deanship, uh, we wanted to interview her and just get her thoughts. And
2: I thought it was really well. Right. Gail is, she did a fantastic job of just being herself. Yes. Um, hopefully the people who listen will know that they'll give this little snippet of what she was as a leader, a person, and just kind of her style of communication. She's very honest. She has many, many, um, stories to tell and she's has much candor. Um, she is very fun to talk to and to be with. I had the privilege of working with her for 11 almost 12 years so yeah. it was really wonderful and she was a, a great mentor so hopefully people see that in, in the interview
0: for sure and she's still on campus she so yes. if you hear something that you want to reach out to her and talk more about or learn more about or just have a conversation I know she'd be awesome uh, welcoming of that so yes. all right well let's get into it here is Dr. Gail Jensen Hello, I'm Shannon Cox here with Tanya Plater and a special guest today that we're excited to speak with um, Dr. Gail Jensen, who is now former Dean of the Graduate School and College of Professional Studies, um, but only just recently. So we are excited to sit down with her and ask her some questions. Um, But before we do, I wanted to first start with a short bio. And when I say short, I think we could have a bio that goes on uh, for a long time because Dr. Jensen has had many accomplishments, um, not only in her deanship, but I think in her life, which we can talk about, I hope we talk about a lot of as we um, spend these next few minutes together. But quickly, um, talking about Dr. Jensen's tenure as dean, Um, at Creighton University. So graduate school enrollment at Creighton has increased by more than 300% and degree offerings have nearly doubled during Dr. Jensen's tenure as dean thanks to her professional expertise and proactive approach to monitoring education and marketplace trends in order to anticipate demand for educational programming. Dr. Jensen created important structures structures to support and celebrate graduate education including a graduate student graduate school student government, who we've interviewed participants of um, previously and plan to do again. We're excited to do that, hooding ceremonies, alumni advisory board, expanded scholarships and an increase in innovative online and hybrid programming. Under her direction, the Department of Interdisciplinary Studies was created, giving faculty primary appointments in the graduate school and increasing interdisciplinary collaboration. And the Doctor of Education and Interdisciplinary Leadership was launched, attracting a diverse community of learners nationally and internationally in professional sectors such as education, healthcare, government, military, and nonprofits. The College of Professional Studies also experienced significant growth under her leadership, including a name change from University College, additional online programs, the establishment of the Alpha Sigma Lambda Honor Society, and the college's transition to a degree-granting unit. Dr. Jensen has also guided successful Higher Learning Commission accreditations, mentored women leaders transitioned the Office of Academic Excellence and Assessment to the Teaching and Learning Center, helped develop Creighton's accelerated bachelor's to master's program, implemented a review process for academic programs, and facilitated the growth of our annual St. Albert's Day University Research Day, which highlights student research from 36 presentations in 2006 to nearly 180 in 2019. And we keep going and going, but we're going to stop there. That's quite the introduction. Um, so yeah, let's jump into it.
2: So we kind of wanted to start or think back to 2006. And what made you decide, I want to take on the graduate school and College of Professional Studies and be dean of both places, well, then University College?
1: Well, that's a great question, Tanya. And uh, Shannon, thanks thanks for the nice introduction. Um, Actually, I didn't start it with both of those responsibilities. I've kind of collected things or they've been, uh, oh, Gail, you could do this. Uh, But in 2006... Uh, Barb Braden, uh, Dr. Braden was was grad, dean of the graduate school at that time, I, and and Barb uh, said to me, uh, Dr. Braden said, uh, "Gail, you need to apply. Uh, you know, I'm ready to step down as the dean. We're going to do a national search, and you need to apply." I said, "Absolutely not, Barb. I, I'm very happy. I was an associate dean in School of Pharmacy and Health Professions, doing faculty development and assessment. Quite happy doing that." And she said, "No, no, no, no. You've got you got to apply. You got to apply." I said no, I don't want to. Uh, so she pushed me off the cliff. She said, well, just go ahead and do it. And if you don't get it, fine. You like your job that you've got. Well, then I got the job. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, "Now, now, Barb, what do I do now? Uh, uh, so uh, it, it's a good example of how mentors you uh, really sponsor you and open doors for you. And she said, you know, you've got all the right uh, kind of Uh, abilities to look at distance education, you like to work cross disciplinary lines, you know, I think, you know, I think this would be a great opportunity for you. So um, I'm thankful for that. Was it uh, a challenge? Yeah. But look, here I am 15 years later. Uh, And then the College of Professional Studies, Dr. Braden also, then she took on that she stepped out of the dean's position for grad and stepped into the adult uh, University College at that time. Then, when she gave that up, when she finally retired, they said, "Oh, well, I, I think you could you could do that too, Gail." <laughs> so, of
0: course, why not? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right. How interesting! So you never had aspirations that one day I will
1: be dean. No, no, no. I, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I would say in my career I have. Uh, you know, moving into an administrative position in the school pharmacy and health professions in faculty development and assessment. Those areas really aligned with my PhD work in, in uh, design and evaluation of educational programs. Uh, so I, it, in some ways, it, it, it aligned me with how I had been prepared at the graduate level. Now, I'm a physical therapist. That's how I came to Creighton. Uh, to be part of the first um, uh, starting the first clinical doctoral program in PT, um, yeah, but Creighton's been good. I've had lots and lots of opportunity, uh, but opportunity—I I haven't been seeking it really.
0: <laughs> I well, I think that's uh, that's very good to talk about. Is you know being open, being open, just like you were to opportunities that. Yeah, you
1: know, I yeah, Sh- Sh- Shannon. That's a great point, and I would say that. I, it's certainly in, in my career and where i am now to me that's one of the most important things is is to is to really help others go and grow and open doors and think about succession planning uh, and how do we continue to develop everyone faculty staff professional staff uh, i you know i'm very sensitive to that students uh, it, it's all about we stand on the shoulders of others and it's To me, that's one of the most important things that any kind of leader has to do is to help surround yourself with good people and let them do do good work and support them in that work. (laughs) Pretty Uh, simple.
0: (laughs) I think that's great. I um, was at the grocery store last week. I was wearing my Creighton graduate school shirt and this lady stopped me and I could have given her a hug. She said, oh, you go to Creighton. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like... (gasps) thank you. This is so nice. And so I, I told her, I said, actually, no, I work there. Um, but, you know, I did my degrees there. But it, it's interesting because we have a plan, right? What do we want to be when we grow up? And that's how we choose what, you know, degrees we seek or education we go after. But keeping in mind that the path that you think you'll take and the path that you might take are different and that's okay. And to be open to listening to the people who say, you should apply for this job or you consider doing this is very important.
2: I think that's a good segue into the next question because we have a question here stating, what advice do you have for our newest students to our students approaching, even to our students approaching graduation? About that plan and how how they really want to look at that. You know, do do we want to set set on one path or do you want to leave yourself open? Yeah,
1: uh, this is and I say this to uh, colleagues. I say this to students. I say this. Uh, the world operates around relationships. It doesn't matter what organization, what structure you're in. Relationships matter. It's how it's how things happen. It's how. Grants are funded. Yes, you've got to have competence, it, but relationships are really important. So building your network, and and having you know, you go to you you go to an institution, you go to Creighton that has a network. That network can help you in, as you as you move forward, um, and, and to to never be afraid of reaching out to people. I tell this to students all the time. You know, somebody contacts you through email. Oh, I read this paper. Or I did this. Generally, people are flattered, no matter what pedestal they're on, they're flattered. <laughs> so uh, students should never be afraid to contact people, uh, to contact uh mentors and to seek out different kinds of mentors. The most important thing is that continuous learning, uh, that we all that that inner fire that ignite the flame kind of thing that you know the Jesuits talk about, that you never stop learning. You stop learning in the graveyard. So it's what it it's what moves you along and and using those opportunities to reach out and collaborate. It's 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 essential.
0: So given our can we call it a post-pandemic world yet? I don't know. I don't know. We're in, <laughs> given our last year and a half of where we've really tried to be by ourselves. <laughs> What is your advice on doing that, especially for our online students who are living all over the country, um, not sitting in a classroom together? What is the best way for them to do that networking, especially at Creighton?
1: Yeah, I think that, well, one thing that comes to mind immediately is I, you know, I, in distance education, uh, you've been doing Zoom, you've been doing this kind of virtual video conferencing or connecting through uh, various platforms for a long time. I think what the pandemic has brought is is the the video conferencing, seeing each other, which is a different experience than you're just typing an email or replying to a discussion board. And building that learning community, that community of learners, which is so critical in, in every form of education, whether it's in a basic science lab, or whether it's a, in an online cohort-like program like the EDD, uh, very, very important. And then reaching out within the field or the discipline. So you know, once again, i come back to that relationships and the ability to collaborate. Uh, I mean, the other thing that has been, and uh, you see it in my um, my support. Uh, for inner, any kind of interprofessional or interdisciplinary work that's what the world needs that's what society needs from us how do you do that you got to get people to collaborate well how do you do that we need leaders who can work interdisciplinary it's sure. not easy but it's really important and and it demands that kind of leader that's open to uh, finding ways to make things happen really being able to create psychological safety on a team uh, uh, and looking outward as to what what does society need from us and how do we meet that need? So uh, that's that's really important. Uh, you know one of my I guess it's a pet peeve is that uh, and, and one of the unique things about graduate schools is that you know graduate structures are generally, structures with their umbrella like administrative quality, um, overseeing standards and student progression and and support for students, uh, which we need to do more of, but uh, in terms of scholarship dollars, but uh, you don't have the kind of typical control or resources that that a a standard college does. So you don't have control over faculty completely, graduate school appointments are generally secondary appointments. You don't have Tuition dollars flowing. Although we created this Department of Interdisciplinary Studies to find a structure to support that kind of growth, uh, so you have soft power. So how do you how do you make things happen? And I, uh, my, one of my frustrations is when you think about innovation and going forward. It's like, well, here's a great idea. What do we think about? This? Well, what's who's where's the where's the resources? Where's the budget here? I mean, and if you start with the budget conversation, guess what? You never innovate. So you you've got to bring people on the team who can do the kind of budget things, and you know, certainly our chief academic officer, the provost, is very much responsible for facilitating that. but how, you know you've got to have that vision of how do you make things happen. You've got to invest to get a return on investment. There's no question about that.
2: I think this is a perfect example of how your sponsor or mentor, Dr. Braden, knew and saw that in you and brought you into the graduate school and said you'd be a good fit. Um, speaking of which, those those ideals or those skills and gifts that you have for interdisciplinary leadership really led on to how to deal with the change in graduate school. Can you kind of tell us about the changes of graduate education over the past 15 years and how we innovated at Creighton? Uh, with your leadership to make that happen
1: well yeah let me start with what i think is happening in the landscape of graduate education Uh, uh, another aspect which was continued to be very important was the council of graduate schools which is the national organization for graduate education and so it's a it's a community of people coming together uh, and and sharing their frustrations, and their challenges, and then what you can do to to um, to address that. And I can remember the first CGS meeting I went to, and the room was pretty much full of uh, a lot of older white men. <laughs> That's what I would say, and and I think it's really changed. Uh, so you've seen far more diversity, I, I think, generally you know folks that end up in graduate education are are often seasoned pe- people who've been around you know it's not a uh, because of that kind of structure it's a different kind of, of school structure um but what's happened nationally in the landscape is you it's i think the game changer has been uh distance education so as distance education has found its way into all aspects of higher education. It allows, uh, and we talked early on with our growth plans, if we have some programs that are hybrid programs, this allows people to get a graduate degree from Creighton and not have to come here full time. So that was was very much in line with Jesuit values. Uh, And and so we were able to offer, I think, and most of our programs are hybrid programs that are on the graduate side students do want to come to campus. They do want to meet faculty. They do want to have that connection. Uh, you know, we have a few programs that are completely online. So so I think distance education. The other thing has been um, the, the traditional kinds of PhD programs. You're, you're seeing some, part of it's been by workforce, uh, the job market, uh, you know, do we have too many PhDs in some disciplines? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, there has been a push at the national level for PhD education to say, you know, if you have a PhD in English or in history, you, there are other places where you can find a job other than universities. So that there is this kind of, how do we align? How do we align our workforce societal needs with what universities are doing? So you've seen seen pretty ongoing dramatic change uh, and. And I think that's going to continue. I, right? you know, when we look at where the demographics are, where the the adult non traditional if you want to call them non-traditional. And there's been more of a blurring, I think, of the lines. And then there's also been, do you need a degree to do this? You know what you can you can get a certificate, you can get you know, other kinds of credentials. So it's there's still a lot of sorting out that's that's occurring. But you see you see that nationally. And I think what we did. What we were able to do at Creighton is because of our structure and growth in online delivery, particularly in the School of Pharmacy and Health Professions that had invested resources to run the, the uh, pharmacy pathway, the PharmD pathway and the transitional program in PT and then work in OT, that really put the foundation. We could do this in a university and Dr. Tracy Chapman very much uh, an essential leader in making that happen. Um, for, for Creighton. I mean, that was, her her expertise is, was incredible in, in a, that time of transition.
0: So when you um, were looking at the progression to online, which how, you know, when, not to talk about the pandemic again, but when it hit and everyone was learning, hearing Zoom for the first time, all of us in online programs were like, Zoom, we've been doing this for years. You know, this is just what we do. Were you met with any, um, opposition was anyone resistant
1: yeah no i i I think there there will continue to be if you follow the higher ed literature there will continue to be arguments about uh, you know can you really get the quality and depth of learning uh, uh online and i think it depends in some areas no i mean i you know i'm a physical therapist by discipline um am i a full support do i think you can Get a dpt degree online yeah maybe but it, it, to me there's that important human professional formation connection that's that there's a community element of learning in that community of scholars community of inquiry that's that's really really critical and i think a place like creighton with our strong mission um and you see it you know shannon and Tony, you've seen you know, when they we have residency experiences for graduate students, how powerful those are, I I think to that end, um, you know, uh, our growth and our ability, and I hope it will continue to have a graduate student government group, to have a hooding ceremony, to create these things so that people know, "Oh, oh, is there a graduate school at Creighton? Oh, I didn't know that. I, you know, I think they know that. Do they need, it? is it as visible as it should be? Absolutely not. And I'm sure that uh, Father uh, Fitzgerald will, will move it forward. I, it, we really need more visibility for the graduate school and we need more scholarship dollars. Uh, we ha- we've moved the mark some, but not, not nearly enough because graduate students are just as needy as other, other learners, probably more because they've, they've got family, they got all sorts of things going on in their lives. The other thing that distance has allowed, I, I believe, in the flexibility, is most of our graduate students are part time. You know, two thirds. So it allow it allows for that ability to multitask, to keep you know to keep part time work or keep some work and keep your life going and still advance your career.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that's important for adult education in general. Well,
1: and and, and you know, and, and to add to that, there all you got to do is. Um, is listened to, it, it's amazing the, the, the cohort, the, the learners that are in the EDD program coming from all across the United States and their what they bring to the learning environment, it's not just that we do something for them, my word, their life experience is so rich, which is what you find in any adult learner who chooses to go to a university at any level. They It's a different kind of experience from an 18 year old and it's really important because it helps broaden and deepen the learning experience. There's no question at all.
0: Absolutely. That's my all-time favorite thing is just getting to know <laughs> oh,
1: students. They're incredible like, stories.
0: I mean, they're all my hero
1: from day one.
0: Already, yeah. I'm like, you this is amazing and you're going to school. Okay, let's just add another thing. And so learning yeah. is a
1: two-way street. It's never a one-way street.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What, we've talked about some challenges and I want to get to your greatest accomplishments too, but since we're kind of here, what do you think has been your greatest challenge while Dean of, of graduate school and CPS?
1: Well, it, it, I think it's all related to a central thing that, that graduate schools, because of their unique structure and, and they don't look like the other schools and colleges, it, that's a challenge. It's a continual challenge. Because you're you're not a power broker with you have a lot of money or, or, or resource of big budget. And uh so you have what's called soft power. So how do you make things happen? But to make things happen, uh, I and I just had this conversation with the provost, you have got to have your team of deans, your other schools and colleges have to have to participate. This is a university activity, investment. Graduate education is very important. One of uh of Creighton's, you know, great assets, of course, is our portfolio of professional schools, but that's also a challenge, because the professional schools tend to be quite into their own space because of accreditation, because of their strong cohort models, uh, and their very robust enrollments, uh, particularly in the health profession. So, so that's a challenge. How how do you say, well, what are we going to do in graduate education? So you see that in graduate education, historically, if you look at CGS, do we centralize or do we decentralize? Uh, or do we have some kind of middle ground? And I, I would say we've had a middle ground. If you if you decentralize completely, you've got a bunch of lone rangers out there, and you've got problems. I, I can tell you, I've been on many, many accreditation visits for the Higher Learning Commission where smaller institutions have grown out their graduate programs and they have nothing but a mess until they create some kind of graduate structure to help monitor, provide standards, uh, and not let this school do that and that school do that, and that you th- their students get caught in that, and that's not fair. So, so to me, that's that's really it, that challenge sits at the heart of the the structure of the graduate school. It's a, uh, but I also agree with uh, Deborah Stewart, who was the longtime CEO of the Council of Graduate Schools. She was a longtime dean of. Of the Graduate School at University of Virginia Virginia Commonwealth, and she used to say, "Being the Graduate Dean is the best job in the world." I would agree with that. You know, I'm glad Barb pushed me off the cliff uh, because it's—you get to work with across the university, Uh, you get to see things happen, you get to help support uh, students and give them more visibility as they go forward. And um, you know, I remember when I interviewed for the Graduate Dean position in meeting with a group of graduate students who, who said, we, we're nobody. We, people don't know who we are. We, they don't know that we have, you know, we're in the shadow of the school of medicine or we're in the shadow of, you know, this school or that. So, so to give it more visibility is very important.
0: Yeah. And I think you've, Accomplished that for sure.
1: Well, I yeah, I think when you you know a lot of these things are related. So you heard me talk about how important collaboration and community building and mentorship is. I mean, to me, that's those are that's how I lead. You know, that's and I you know I never to me a good leader brings out leadership in everyone. You know, I'm not quote the leader. You know, can you facilitate and make things happen, and and you make that happen by Recognizing talent, interdependence, bringing teams together, finding ways to be innovative, um, you know, trying to remove the political barriers, those those kinds of things. But there's there's nothing more rewarding than uh, than that. You know, I, I love the phrase. If you want to go fast, you go alone. Yeah, good luck with that. If you want to go far, you go together, and that's so true. It's so true.
0: It's very true. I love that what you may have already said it then what thinking back on these last 15 years do you kind of put a check mark next to your greatest accomplishment or the thing you're most proud of
1: boy that's a tough one I you know I would say well maybe it's not so tough I I I would I would say it's in seeing outcome to me the ultimate outcome um people you know Tanya, she got two master's degrees. Yes. Right? Yes. Did. Yes. Great. Right. Now you're going to make me cry.
2: <laughs> that wasn't the goal. <laughs> I know. You're not allowed to cry because then I'll cry. But, uh, <laughs> right. but the, the reason I was able to do that was because of the innovation of your leadership saying, let's do online programs. That's the only way I would have been able to do two of oh, them and get them achieved with my family. I'm, you know with three kids and trying to garner, navigate that parenthood. The only way that I could do it and keep a job and keep, a, you know, a roof over our head and food on the table was, was because you guys were innovative enough to do online programs because both of mine were completely online. And yeah. that was the only way that really benefited for, for my growth and development. I've, I can honestly say that, as my dean, you've been my mentor for a long time, so. Well, yeah, the, you know, the, it, it's also important
1: to support uh, women like you. Like, uh, there are a lot of women that come to Creighton and, and work in the professional staff area. And I I have always, always, you support your professional staff, your your colleagues support their professional development, not only to get education, but to go to conferences and things. And, and that that's the, the thing you know surround yourself with good people, let them good, do good work and look where you can go. It's amazing. It, it, and we're all part of that community. It's, that's really and, and I think one of the, one of the toughest things in the pandemic has been not being together. I mean we just went to lunch the other day, yesterday, which was a lot of fun. We need to do that again. you know <laughs> we miss that.
2: It, it, and that was, those social things are so important too. I, th- I think we're, I don't want to go very, very long on this and I, I want to get over the emotional part. So my point <laughs> now, I want to kind of transfer us into less reflection and more into you've stepped down as dean. You are still the AVP of assessment and learning. Um, you are still a full faculty position. You are still everything else that you already were on top of being dean. So Moving forward, what is, what is something that you're like looking forward to? Something that you're, man, now I can relax. Now I can concentrate on this. I mean, your publications have been through the roof through the whole yeah. time you were dean anyway. So it's just, what now? What well, do you want yeah. to do? Well, it's a, yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, I'm not going to
1: work at Creighton forever. Uh, I, I, I do, and I do a lot of work uh, with younger colleagues. I really enjoy that. That's really, and, and to me, that's not work. You know that's um, you know Judy gets a little irritated with me, but she knows. This. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I there are other things I want to do too. We, uh, you know, a sabbatical when we can travel, and then, um, and then kind of you know look what's 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 next. I'm uh, very involved in the in physical therapy, and things are you know very involved in what's happening nationally as the profession moves forward. Uh, but I, I would say it's that work with younger colleagues, uh, and, and then, you know, I'm an exercise junkie, that's not going to go away, and, um, uh, and I have a real love for photography, which I haven't done as much, which I like to do, so I, you know, I'll stay busy, there's no question, uh, but, I, uh, you know, I, I, I like uh, to see others be successful, and that's, To me that work looking at somebody's abstract or somebody's paper or helping them with an idea uh one of the things i know about myself pretty well is that i'm a i'm a conceptual kind of idea person so you know if you don't like ideas stay away from me but i so i will keep pushing on that i'm very futuristic uh you know and and so i that's fun to do with you know well wait a second you don't you need to push here you need You need to think conceptually about this. You need to think what theory would fit here. And I, you know, that's, my mentors were very good and gave me very uh, wonderful lifelong gifts in that way of thinking. I mean, I got a great education at Stanford. There's no question. And was it about content? Absolutely not. Was it about thinking? Absolutely. (laughs) Was it about values? Absolutely. Uh, Was it about how you continue to learn? Absolutely. (laughs) Those those are the most meaningful things. Those are long lasting, though. People, you know, education, it can't be taken away from. you. And,
2: true. Uh, you know,
1: my my mother was a lifelong, uh, you know, she was a, never went to college. She was a, went to tra- normal training school, two year school to teach, but she always supported education. Always, always, always. Well,
0: it's we're critical. happy that you're still at Creighton, <laughs> that we know where to find you.
1: You're not- Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Point one
1: twenty three F.
0: Okay, we have it. Point. We'll make our way there for sure,
1: or
2: the flight deck. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. I teasingly said to Gail one day, "You're gonna, you're not gonna, it's not gonna be easy for you to get rid of us or to give us up." And she said, "Oh well, I'm not going to give you up." So that oh. right there just proves that the relationships that she created here in the graduate school will continue for a long, long time. So.
1: I hope so. You open doors. You open campus. doors for people. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> yes. Final question: When you book those next plane tickets,
1: where is it going to be to? Oh, for uh, internet for sabbatical. I, you know, I'm thinking uh, of, uh, of really uh, trying to develop uh, some international connections for physical therapy. Uh, I've got connections in um, Norway and in Belgium. Uh, and in the uk and in ireland and in australia but it would probably be in europe to be to begin with um yeah it it, and it's easy you know distance uh zoom thing it makes it easy to collaborate so um i think those are uh, and i would do it with intent to make things happen i mean i can work on another book project too but I don't know.
0: <laughs> Do you ever take vacation to just put your feet in the sand?
1: Oh, is that's there... a good... oh no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, we would go back to um, New Zealand in a heartbeat. We were Zealand. there a few years ago for a conference, but, it, but spent a week in the South Island. We'd go back there in a heartbeat. It's Very a great cool. country. Oh, it's gorgeous.
0: Love it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Anything. That's else one of my dream 20? spots.
2: No, uh, I think I think this was a great interview, and I appreciate taking the time to join us because we really, really enjoyed this. Absolutely, oh, it was great. You Good. made me and cry,
1: You're
0: Thinking about you, <laughs> we can go down in history of some kind. Yeah, I right. will right. cry. Thank you so much for joining us. We truly appreciate it. This was uh, great to talk to you. I'm sure our students will enjoy listening to it as well. And with that, we'll say that's a wrap. Thanks so much. All right.
2: Thank you so great. much.